I hope you're coming back with sandwiches because you keep walking past with that trolley. Yeah, you think I'm kidding? <laughs> Welcome to episode 27 of Blethered. I'm Sean McDonald and you're about to listen to me speaking to journalist Paul Smith. Paul very bravely and candidly shares a lot about his life. He's a very normal young guy but he's struggled with aspects of his mental health over the last few years, which goes on to explain was predominantly tied to struggling to deal with being sexually abused by someone close to his family when he was a child. I'll let Paul tell that story. We then go on to discuss his struggle to deal with that understandably in the subsequent court case and we take a bit of a forensic look at his mental state thereafter he absolutely doesn't shirk the conversation or miss any parts as you'll hear when he explains about a suicide attempt and being detained under the mental health act for his own safety this is difficult listening in parts so if these themes are particularly emotive or sensitive for you right now i wouldn't go any further however i do feel that this will help a lot of people either battling any of the afflictions that paul talks about or perhaps if they were a victim of a similar crime themselves. I am by no means an expert in any way, but Paul approached me about telling his story and I felt it. With the platform that I have, it was particularly important for us to do this, as I've never heard a story like this told in this type of format. And I'm certain that this will not be an isolated incident. You never know who might need to hear this. A big, big thank you goes to Paul for being so forthcoming and so open. He's great company and a terrific guy. Now, I know I say that about everybody, but I suppose that's just how I see people. We even managed to get a few laughs, as mental as that sounds, we did. I hope you enjoy this conversation and I hope you take something from it. As always, the conversation will continue over on Flick Chat and Paul will be available for anybody who wants to chat either publicly in the forum or privately. I'll tweet the details for joining the free Flick Chat group through the app or just give me a shout and I'll send you the link directly final word we set up to record on short notice and our location was silent and as soon as we started recording everybody decides to start going past us with trolleys wearing what sounded like tap dancing shoes or generally just being pure noisy it's not too frequent but I always feel obliged to apologise for it and to mention it sorry about that couldn't be avoided right have a listen if you think this episode will benefit somebody send it to them I'm not asking you to tweet it or to share it for me, but it might make a big difference to somebody. Cheers. Paul, thanks for joining me for, for this, what is going to be probably quite a difficult, but worthwhile chat, I would say. Mm, thanks uh, for asking me. Just as we start recording, all these people start screaming yeah. and shouting. That's typical, isn't it? I mean, I don't have ownership over this place, but I kind of want to go over and just scream shut up back at <laughs> I'm sure it'll be quiet when they hear us. Um, tell me, tell me, first of all, please, about... Well, can I get to the nitty-gritty? Mm-hmm. Tell me about life just now or over the past few years, you know, what you've been doing, what you're up to. It's been interesting. One word. I would use, definitely. Um, so I moved to London from Falkirk five years ago, so I spent the past five years in London working as a journalist. 
um, for various different companies over the past few years. Um, everything was good, everything was rosy. Met my other half as well, so I moved in with him. Um, and um, two years ago, everything started to get a bit rocky and mm. shaky, and it was like a sort of dark cloud came over my uh, head and just wouldn't go away. Um, I ended up diagnosed with depression, um, and I thought, fine, you know, really common, a lot of people have it. Um, and I managed to cope with it. Uh, my life never really changed at all. I was still working, still socialising, still going out with mates, you know, with my half. We were always on the holiday, always doing stuff at weekends. Um, and then one day I woke up and felt very, very, very different. I stayed in bed all day. I just had no motivation to move at all. And I can remember it was probably the hottest day of the year in London. It was like 36, 37 degrees, roasting hot. Everyone was out, you know, enjoying the sunshine, lying on the green. Uh, and I just couldn't get out of bed, no matter, you know, what, what I told myself, no matter how, how much I tried to motivate myself. So I stayed in bed all day, absolutely sweating. <laughs> um and then I sort of picked up the phone and phoned the GP and said, I need to come and, come and see you. Um, and he said to me, I don't have any appointments today. And I said, well, can we have a chat on the phone? So he put me in for a phone uh, consultation. And um, he said to me, I'm going to... He put me on antidepressants. Uh, he said, I'm going to help your doors. I've been on them for a few weeks. <clears throat> I said, fine. He says, but it would take a couple of weeks to, to kick in. So I went, fine. So went and picked them up. And, you know, after I'd been on them for a month or so, I started to feel really, really good again. Um, I didn't really know what had sort of flicked that switch and, and made me feel the way I was feeling. Um, and... The tablets, as I say, made me, made me feel better. So I thought, right, okay, great. You know, I'm feeling good again. Go back to work. Go back to what I was doing, socialising with my mates. Um, and, yeah, it, it was good. That lasted for a couple of months. And then it was maybe mm, September time, October. Um, I basically came back up here to work. Um, and I was here for three months. I uh, came up here to work with a, a radio station um, <clears throat> and again I had a similar experience of the whole you know can we bother getting out of bed mm-hmm. staying in bed and then I thought what was wrong with me because when I first sort of came out as gay like mm-hmm. everyone was really supportive but there was a few people who weren't but um it didn't really bother me that much because I knew they would, I knew they would come round. Um, I think the thing that bothered me was where I'm from, Falkirk. It's a really sort of small town. I know a lot of people from there, and they kind of go on about that. Like everybody knows everybody. Everybody's in behind the wall. You all know <laughs> each other. 
So. Yeah, Bangdawal is a place to place to be uh, at the weekend. <laughs> um, so it's uh, like like you say, you know yourself. Then it's a really sort of you know small town. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows everyone's business. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of was the only thing that bothered me because I don't really know any other people in Falkirk yeah. um, and my mates weren't and they were all you know and my mates mates and stuff so but they were as I say supportive they really didn't bother I mean it was what 2016 2017 mm. maybe even in fact no it would have been longer than that 2015 I think it was yeah. Um, so yeah I mean you know it's, it's quite common these days so anyway I um, so I thought you know am, am I now just coming to terms to dealing with that and I thought well no I, I can't be it's been, it's been a few years now do you know what I mean um, but there was always one thing at the back of my head back of my mind that I had kept to myself for years um, and I no, you know, never told anyone anyone at all about it um, and I just sort of dealt with it until one night it was a Sunday night I think it was actually it had been an old firm game um, and I think Rangers might actually have won see I wasn't even going to ask but now you've just okay right Rangers won well done Rangers <laughs> sick <laughs> I'm joking I'm, obviously I'm kidding for anybody listening if you still need it pointed out that I like a laugh Sorry, on you go. You find anyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I've been in high spirits. Uh, my team had won. We've been out having a drink. We went back to uh, the local uh, like pub club, um, and yeah, everything was great until it got to I think it's around half ten, eleven o'clock that night. And again, that weird sort of cloud came over my head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, right, okay, Paul, stop drinking, go home, get some sleep. Tomorrow is a new day. So I walked outside, had a cigarette. Just uh, just as the noisiest thing has been right. I thought it was some sandwiches, but it's no. Um, I went outside, had a cigarette, and I was like, right, okay, just, just calm down. And phone a taxi and, and go. But instead, this is our way. <laughs> <don't it? laughs> sandwiches this time. This is sandwiches this time. And coffee. See, because you're being dead noisy, can we get one of these sandwiches or coffee? <laughs> I'll take that as a no. <laughs> right. Bloody hell! Right. Sorry. This is this is the realities of live interviews. You know yourself, right? Okay, yeah. hopefully we've now get some. Tell me about it. Um, so I trying uh, to discuss something serious here. I'm going to like take one end each and carry it so the wheels don't go on the floor. Right, the cloud. <laughs> so I, um, so I thought right, phone a taxi, go home. But instead, I didn't. I went back inside and had another drink, as you do. Um, and my mate said to me, "They're like, what's wrong?" I was like, "Nothing. Why?" You're really quiet, and you look like you're just sort of spaced out. You just you're just staring at space, and I was like, "Oh no, that's not fine. I'm just just a bit drunk, and I think I get in my bed." So went to the um, 
went to the sort of back of the, 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 the pub where the pool tables and stuff were and, and sat myself and I picked up my phone and I dialed 101 and I was like I can't believe I'm going to do this so I hit dial and got through to the police contact centre and I basically said to them I have a crime to report and she said to me alright okay is this is it recent or is it is it happening now I said to him, no, it happened uh, years ago. And she went, all right, okay, how many years ago? And he says, um, when I was a little boy, when I was at school. She went, okay, um, what, what was the nature of the crime? Um, she says, do you have any sort of evidence? You know, what, what happened? What's, what's the nature of the crime? And I said to her, I was sexually abused when I was when I was a little boy and the phone just went silent and I was like hello and she went oh yeah yeah Paul I'm still, I'm still here I'm still here uh, she says just um, just hold on the line a second I'm just going to um, take some details she says where are you just now and I said I'm out and she went where about I says at a pub and she went alright are you with anyone and I says yeah I'm with a few of my mates but I'm just going to like go home and she says, um, are you, you know, going to be alone at home? And I says, uh, no, my, my parents are there. And then she says, oh, you know, do they know? And I say, no, you know, no one knows, just just me. So she says, right, I'm going to take some details from you. And she says, I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail, she says, because I, I just want to know, you know, the, the basics. And then I'll get you booked in with um, uh, an, an appointment with a sort of detective tomorrow at Larbor Police Station. So I said, fine. Um, so I started speaking to her and, you know, talking away to her. And I just, I, I flicked, just switched my head and I, I just cracked. And, um, you know, I got really upset. I was really angry. And, you know, she was saying to me, calm down, calm down. Where about are you? I wouldn't tell her who I was. Um, once I started spoken to her, I gave her my name, my address, my date of birth. And, you know, some details about what what happened. I um, <clears throat> hung up the phone. And I phoned a taxi. And I didn't actually get a taxi home. Instead, stupidly, I got a taxi to my abuser's house. Fuck. Um, because I wanted to confront him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Obviously, under the influence of alcohol, it's never the you know, best yeah. thing to do, but I was feeling brave. I felt like then was was the time mm-hmm. I remember this time it was midnight <clears throat> um, so I got a taxi to to his house I, I knew the street didn't know what house it was yeah. uh, but I had a rough idea so I got a taxi there and by this point um, the police actually got to the house before me because my mate had heard me um, I didn't know he was listening, but he was up the back in the sort of smoke area right. uh, having a cigarette. So when I got a taxi and left, he called the police basically, and because I just come with phone and stuff, my, de- my details and stuff, and it was a recent call. So they basically got the police to turn up at their address before the taxi got there. So as soon as I saw the cops, I thought, 
that's what you're telling me to get there. So anyway, I got out of the taxi and I was I was I was raging, I, you know, shouting, and the cops sort of came over to me and said, "Look, we're going to we're going to take you down to the police station and, and, and speak to you. You can tell us exactly what's happened. And um, you know, we're not." family as an officers or, or, or you know detectives who sort of deal with this mm-hmm. area but we can help you and we can take as much details as, as you want to give yeah. us so I said fine so that's what I did I agreed it was a guy in Alassie they are really nice so we went down to Falkirk Police Station it was um, and they had taken some details again from me and, and sort of spoke to me and asked what had happened and you know I, once I actually had spoke to them I think cause it was face to face I actually felt like a, a weight had been lifted off my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they basically took me back to um, Grangemouth, um, and I got in, went straight to bed, woke up in the morning. I set my alarm for about half eight, nine o'clock. My appointment with the police was at eleven a.m. and I was like, shit. I'm gonna to have to tell mom and dad. I was like, "How? Mm-hmm. How, how do I do this?" Yeah. So I basically went downstairs, made myself a cup of coffee, had a cigarette, and my mom came into the kitchen and she said, "Oh, how was your night?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it was really good, really good, good day." Um, you know, a bit hungover now. She said to me, "You're really late getting in." I went, "Yeah, I know." She says, "Where were you?" And I went, the police station. Mm. And she went, you know, straight away, she was like, what What have you done? Yeah. You know, I thought I'd been fighting or... or uh-huh. And I was like, no, I'm not in trouble. You know, nothing to do with me, but someone else is. And she went, oh, one of your mates. And I said, no, 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 not at all, not at all. And she went, well, what is it then? And I said to her, sit, sit down. I feel and really bad for her like in her place like what she must have been thinking she just looked at me and like the colour just drained from her face and I went it's alright I said just sit down she went just tell me just tell me and I went I want you I want you to be sitting when I tell you so she sat down and um, I said to her I've got something to tell you and she went what you know she was getting really frustrated by this point she yeah. said just tell me and I went but I don't know how to tell you I said so just Bear with me. So she said to me, right, okay. She says, just take your time. I says, um, I don't want you to be angry. You're going to be upset. But I don't blame you. I don't blame my dad. I don't blame anyone else apart from this person. So she said to me, what is it? I says, I was sexually abused when I was younger. And she just looked at me and went, what? And I said, I was sexually abused when I was younger. And the first thing obviously she asked was, who by? Mm. And that was the hardest thing because it was a family member. Fucking hell. It was someone who was supposed to be looking after me. Someone my mum and dad trusted. Um... You know, someone who was around mom and dad's house, around me since I was, you know, a baby, basically. Yeah. Um, so automatically, mom and dad, you know, put 
you know, it's family. You trust, you trust your family, Absolutely. or you're supposed to be able to trust your family. Um, and they did trust this person. So, you know, I, I, I told mum, and and she right away, you know, burst burst into tears. Couldn't believe it. Um, you know, was sick in the the, the the basin in the kitchen. I can remember that as, as clear as day. Um, and she said to me, "Right, what what's happening? I, I've, you know, have you told the police?" And I says, "Well, yeah, that's that's why I was at the police station. You know, that's why I was there for ages this morning." I said, "I've got an appointment with a specialist officer at eleven o'clock." Uh, she says, "I'm coming with you," <clears throat> and I went, mm, "No, you're not." I says, "You're definitely not." Why not? And I went, "Because I, I don't want you to be there. I don't want you to hear what I've got to say." Mm-hmm. So instead, um, someone else took me up and, and sort of dropped me off and they, they waited for me because Falkland Police Station is sort of in the town centre. So they went, I went to the town centre and you know, went shopping and stuff. And um, I was in there for a couple of hours. I was in there for ages. Um, and you know, they were just asking me you know, my name, basic questions. And then they said to me, I'm going to have to get into the sort of nitty-gritty stuff. And you, you know, I said, you're going to have to be as honest as possible. And I thought that would be, you know, the previous night on the Sunday, I thought, oh, this is easy, this is, you yeah. know, nothing, I'll be able to do this, no bother. But then it was, on the Monday morning when I woke up, I was like, what have I done? Like, why, why did I do that? Why didn't I just go back to my bed? Mm-hmm. I don't go, you know, why didn't I go home to my bed? Um, so he basically asked me all the details, um, and I was just as honest as, you know, as, as I had to be. I told him everything. And even, you know, the, the officer, he was like, that he even found it difficult to, and he said to me, he said, I've been doing this for years. He says, but he went, I'm actually finding this quite difficult to take notes on, on your case. So anyway, I'd spoken to him and went, went back home and um, my mum had phoned my dad at work and told him at this point. So whenever I actually, you know, the only, only certain people knew, mm-hmm. like close family and, and friends, we only told them, because obviously I had, to, I had to go back down to, back down to London as well, so I told my other half, um, and he was he was great, really supportive um, and a couple of weeks later the police gave me a call and, and basically says, um, just to let you know, we've uh, arrested and charged um I can I can name him stuff anyway because he's he's he's, he's now been okay, in jail. Yeah. So uh, we've arrested and charged uh, William with um, three counts of you know um, abuse. So I went right, cool. I was like, great. I was like, perfect. Thank you. Uh, and I again, I was like, I've got him. Like mm-hmm. he's that. That's it. Because for years, you know, I just felt like he had control over my yeah. life because I had never told anyone. Uh-huh. So it was only, you know, me and him that knew what actually happened. So I basically kept that to myself. I felt like a puppet on a string and he was controlling my strings. Yeah. So as I say that night, I just cracked and I was like, this can't go on anymore. So when the police gave me a call and said that, then I was like, right, okay. Now you're my puppet and yeah. I'm controlling your strings. So anyway, it took it took ages to go to court. It took about 
a year, year and a half maybe, because the Procure Fisco, it took ages time to collect evidence, they spoke to those people as well, and other things sort of came to light. So, um, during that time, you know, it was quite, it was quite difficult, I was more frustrating the sort of period of time waiting for it to go to court, because by then I just wanted it over and done with, yeah. I just wanted everything, you know, done with stuff and got on with my life. So I basically um, carried on as normal, or as normal as I could, but then my relationship with my other half started to sort of fade away as well, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if that was just because I had a lot of stuff going on in the back of my head, yeah. or if I actually just like fell out of love with him, but in February last year, we split up you know I, I just he went away on holiday and I, I was like I can't I can't do this anymore so I I moved out um, moved in with a mate but after a few weeks I was like I actually still love him it's just I just can't be with someone just now because yeah. I've just got too much completely understandable totally I was like I've just got too much to think about so um, I as I say, moved in with me, and I was like, yeah, life is, life is, you know, shit, but it's going to get better. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I carried on as normal as I said, I was still going to work and stuff, and then, um, when the court date came through, so it was for February this year, I was like, right, great, I says, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to end soon, it's going to come to an end. But it was, now, now I realise it was probably the wrong time to break up with them because he I needed someone there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I needed someone there because I was in London and none of my mates down there knew. Yeah, so it was you know I had no one to go to and speak to about it. Mm-hmm. So I never had that sort of that go-to person. Um, Hindsight's a wonderful thing, though, isn't it? No, you definitely. Know, you're acting on instinct. Definitely. Apart from, obviously, I had my mum, but she was obviously up here, 430-odd yeah. miles away. Uh, so um, I came back up for the court case, and then it got, um, I think it was, like, deferred until, like, March or April time. Um, that was, it was High Court in Glasgow, yeah? It was March, no, it was, it was actually, it was Falkirk Sheriff Court. Oh, right, it was okay. a judge and a um, jury. Right. Um, so, it got put off and put off and put off. And I was like, oh, I was like, this is a nightmare. Because, you know, as you can imagine, you just want it over and done with. So eventually, I got another date through and I was like, right, great. This is going to be it. And it, it was that. That was the day. Everyone was at court. Everyone was there. Um, I was there, and you know, I had loads of family and friends in as well mm-hmm. for support. And it was it was great. And they said to me, "Do you want us to be in in the courtroom when you're giving evidence?" And I says, "Well, I said to be honest, he's already know anyway, so I don't care. I had a massive screen, so I couldn't see anyone. I couldn't see him. Right, I could okay. only see the judge, and I could only see the jury. Yeah. Um, but giving evidence was." It was really hard. If I could just very quickly interject at this point, so I don't know if it, it would have been jarring to anyone, but when you there was something you said, and my response was "fuck," and it's not that I'm being unprofessional or being sort of um, 
overly emotional, you know, where I should maybe try and leave the emotion at the door, so to speak. I can't, because as you're saying, this, my stomach's churning yeah. for, like, for you because it's horrible and it's it's a horrible thing. I can't, I mean, we'll talk, I've got some questions and some points I'd like to put across in terms of bravery, but if I do sort of have any sort of, because I'm being just very um, honest yeah. and I'm not hiding any of my reactions or anything, so I would just like to point out that I'm sorry to you or anyone listening if you, if you find that jarring, but I'm hearing this as the same time as you guys are hearing it, listening, so it's kind of, it's like, it's not a nice thing, yeah. um, and that's me, I feel like I'm going to burst into tears, mm. and it's your story, uh, so apologies, so on you go. No, I, I, I totally understand um, what you're saying, um, and, and I hope it actually is piecing together, because it, yeah. I'm finding it really difficult to... Yeah, you're, you're really articulating to, to make it To make it... F- no, it's, it's, it's flowing in terms of chronologically, in terms of the actual explanation of mm. what happened, but also your emotion as well, it's tying in very well, so mm. I know you can maybe, in the depth of your mind, piecing it out, all out together, yeah. but it's you're painting a very clear picture anyway, so yeah. please do continue. So, in court, you know, my name gets called, and I was like, right, okay, this is, I felt like it was my, not my time to shine, but it was, I felt like it was my day to yeah. just, uh-huh. to be like, you know, this is it now. Yeah. Your life is over. Mm-hmm. My life is just my life's just starting yeah. again. So, well, I say again. I never really had a life when I was a child or a teenager yeah. because of what happened. So I, I felt then life. that my life was just was just starting. Yeah. So gets up in the dock and you know the the normal um, to do confirm my name, this that, and the next thing, and you know get asked many questions. And then I thought, oh, this is in my head. I'm like, this is really easy. And, you know, I don't know you got into the nitty gritty. And then the questions came. And I was like, oh, no. And even though, you know, there was a screen and I couldn't see him, I couldn't see anyone else. Yeah. I, I still knew that I had family and friends in there. And they knew a lot of the detail, but they didn't know mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And I thought... I'm just going to have to do this and what made me actually be able to do it was because I thought he's in there listening yeah. he knows exactly what he did to me he's pleading not guilty fucking asshole man yeah he's you know he's the old pervert yeah who knows exactly what you know he carried out many yeah. years ago so I thought just in case you forgot I'm going to tell you again yeah. I'm going to tell you so um that's in, in my head when I was speaking I was speaking to him to remind him yeah. exactly how much of a vile man he is excuse for a man so you know I I, I was honest I, I told the court exactly what I used to do so I used to go and stay there weekends as I said mum and dad you know used to go out weekends and put me there because they believed it was a safe place they believed that um, you know they, they trusted they trusted him because he was you know uh, he, he was a, a really cl- close relative but instead he just took advantage he used to you know touch me inappropriately in yeah. the middle of the night and many times I would wake up and he'd be walking around the bedroom naked fuck's sake I mean he there was this morning I can remember as clear as day I sort of I was just I thought it was a dream. It was weird because I was sort of like drifting in and out of consciousness, and I thought, and I, was like, I just felt this weird 
sensation and I was like what's that and it was basically him with his hands down my pyjama bottoms fucking hell man and I was just like what the fuck because it was so dark I couldn't actually at first I couldn't see who it was and then once I sort of came to I was like I was like oh my god and I, I sort of just froze for a while I didn't know what to do I was scared to shout I was scared to say anything because I thought I don't know what you know what will he do if I, if I scream or, yeah. or if, I, if I try and leave the room like what as a child you can't even begin to process first of all what's going on or what the consequences of you saying anything would be exactly and, and that's why I just sort of froze for a minute and then I was just like right I need to get out of this so I just quickly turned and faced the the wall because I remember the bed was sort of up against the wall and just put the covers over my head and just like really tightly just like lay there and didn't move you know I was like breathing really slowly because I was I was just really scared my heart was racing yeah and um, he he walked he walked away like he the footsteps walk away and he got sorry got back into bed and because. Uh, I used to have to share the, the bedroom with him when, when, I, when I stayed there. Right. Which was a weird setup and it's own now that when I think back. Um, so this happened on sort of a, a few occasions and other, other you know, bizarre things as well. Him walking around naked and he used to just stand at the window, looking at the window naked. It was really weird. Yeah. Um, so th- this happened on maybe two or three occasions. And I stopped staying over there because you know they used to just stay around the corner from mum and dad and <coughs> mum used to say why why you not you know why are you not going out over um, to stay this weekend you know your dad and I are going out with our friends and say I don't want to I, I don't want you to go out so then mum used to have to find mum then for another babysitter and that was um, again a crucial relative and mum says you know he won't go anywhere to stay you need to come in and look after them at hours you know, won't be late. We'll be home back at twelve one. Yeah. So that person did, and you know, nothing. You know that 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 person was was a trustworthy person. You know, they they looked after me really well, and and you know, always really good to me. Um. So, mum and dad, sorry. Mum said to me now, she said, I sort of knew back then when you were wee that something must have happened because you, you stopped wanting to stay at people's houses. Yeah. She says, but I never expected it to be anything like that. She just thought I'd maybe been like, like bad and had a row or something like that. Yeah, and I'd yeah. been like, stuff that, I'm looking back there. Yeah. Um, but she said, I never actually imagined it was anything like that. So anyway, in court, and I finished giving my evidence and stuff and, and told them exactly what happened. And I was like, right, I don't need to be here again. I don't need to see him again. You know, my time at court's finished, mm-hmm. I've, I've done my bit. So I thought, I'll leave. So as I was walking out, because um, I had adjourned for lunch, and um, the Procurator Fiscal came over to me, she said, Oh, by the way, she says, Paul, um, we're expecting a, a verdict this afternoon. And I went, Oh, I was like, Wow. Quick I says, that's, that's a quick turnaround. She went, Yeah, she went, There's just so much evidence. And she went, You know, the witnesses we've had have been great, and, you know, their accounts all match up. So I was like, right, okay, fine. Um, she says, but you don't need to be, be here. She went, but if you want to stay, you're more than welcome. So I had to sort of decide what I want to do. And I spoke to a few people and I thought, do you know what? I was like, I was, at this point, I was confident. I was like, he's going, he's going down mm-hmm. and I want to see him go down. So I stayed 
but something had happened and there was a delay and they said right okay we're going to have to adjourn and come back tomorrow on the Tuesday so I was like oh, great so I went back up on the Tuesday um, and I sort of went, went I never went in the courtroom at all I just stayed in, stayed in the sort of cafe of Falkwick Sheriff Court and stayed around the sort of Caneland area where, where the court is and um, you know went along to the pub and stuff and it felt like it just dragged on the whole day because I was like come on like when when's this going to happen yeah. so um, I got a phone call at maybe half four that afternoon from the Procurator Fiscal and said right okay they, um, they've gone out to deliberate I don't expect it to be too long so I thought perfect so I walked back along to the court and it was maybe quarter to five five o'clock the courtroom back opened they came back in and found them guilty it was a unanimous verdict um, never took them long at all to came you know to come to their, their decision um, and it was really weird because I was like you know obviously I was really happy that he had been found guilty I, you know I was it, it made me feel feel really good but I was just I was watching him because I was behind him and he showed no emotion like mm-hmm. there was just no reaction from him at all and I thought okay that's obviously the signs of a, a guilty man yeah. like, you know exactly what what you've done and you know exactly what's going to happen to you now yeah. so and even even family members who were on his side you know the two who were in front of me they didn't do anything and I thought I was like did, do you know what he was yeah you know, know. Exactly, it was just weird because there was no reaction from them either and I thought this is bizarre anyway it left the court and um, you know phoned my mum and said to her right, okay he's been found guilty she was like brilliant um, you, you know and I was actually flying back to London that night as well so it was a mad rush I quickly went and saw my mum before I left mum and dad and uh, you know my sister and neighbours and stuff who, who knew and family and then I had to dash off to the airport uh, to come back to London so I was like right that's it done now I don't need to go back up uh, to court it's all over so he was then sentenced when was it March I believe it was March I think it was March yeah. I think it was March Um middle of March or something like that I think it was and he he got two years um, I mean that to me isn't a long time but no. it's better than nothing yeah uh-huh. it's better than nothing and he's been placed in the sex offence register as well um, so anyway once once that was all out of the road I thought right okay I really need to get my life back back on track now I really need to concentrate on work I really need to concentrate on me and my family so I tried and I did for a few weeks mm-hmm. and then you know yourself yeah I really hit rock bottom and um, you know people saying to me oh you know what's all these videos you post on Instagram and Facebook and it was it was the start of the eruption of the volcano if you like yeah because I was doing it in a way so it was like a cry for help basically but uh-huh. At first, it was like in a discreet way, and was like, everyone was like, "Oh, you're right." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm fine." Yeah, you know, I was like a drunk or, or something like that. But that's all my life became was yeah. just drink. I just, I just drank almost every day. Can we, can we talk about a few of these then? Because mm-hmm. I think you said they were cries for help, right? Mm-hmm. 
let's talk about identifying those within people. Um, if you can give me a few examples of what they would be, because you know, often you'll hear of, let's just say, someone very sadly takes their life, mm-hmm. and people will say, oh, there weren't many signs, or I had no mm-hmm. idea. And other people might say, I had a bit of an idea, but I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. And you then just think, fuck, man. Like, if, if only someone had kind of been a very hands-on, decisive, grab somebody by the shoulders, metaphorically, perhaps, yeah. we could, and be like, look, let's talk about it. So let's, for anyone listening, maybe they... You know, might recognise some of these things and others, and it might spur them into taking action. So, mm-hmm. what what were they? Those cries for help. So, as I say, the videos I was I was posting quite a lot on um, Facebook and Instagram, um, and do you know a lot of it, a lot of it's quite a blur now. I can't even remember half of them. Yeah. You might have a, a was it like, is, like you speaking into the camera? Yeah. And stuff? So a lot, a lot of them were yeah, like selfie that. videos. Yeah. Um, just you know, talking crap into into and, and, and no like to no one. Yeah. But I knew everyone. I know a lot of people were watching. Yeah. And it was just you know, I looked dazed. I didn't look me and that's what everyone was saying you know oh, you don't look, look yourself and I would just say oh I'm just tired you know I never had much sleep last night a pal of mine said that when he was feeling terrible he either consciously or unconsciously would post a lot and mm-hmm. it was like a trying to convince himself and convince others like here I am you know I'm active I'm feeling good and I noticed that in people that when they really overshare it's like right okay something's not wired particularly right mm-hmm. in this occasion did anybody properly notice? no one really picked up on that but that, that's exactly that's like what I was doing like, I, I thought if I keep posting every day and letting people see oh I'm still here yeah. then life is good life is yeah, good I'm sorry lying to myself yeah. and I'm lying to everyone else so but no one actually picked up on, on that set. everyone was just like oh you know you look different and I'm like, oh, what do you mean? Oh, I don't know. There's just something you look different. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm just tired. Never had much sleep last night. Or yeah. it was a weekend. It was a hard weekend. You know, I was out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. Um, and they were just like, all oh, right, okay. I'm trying to get some, like, trying to get more sleep. And I just thought, oh yeah, I will. And you know, like mental health and sleep is like sleep when you've got mental health issues is so important. Yeah, and sleep is so important anyway. Um, but especially when you suffer from like depression or you know anxiety and stuff. Um, but I posted every day on Instagram and Facebook, and they became more frequent. Mm-hmm. And they became a little darker, if you like, as the days went on. Yeah. Um, and when would it have been March, April, May? Maybe the middle of May. I was just sitting one day, and I was like. Fuck this. Fuck this. Life cannot go on. So, a few weeks before that, I'd been up and I was at the circus. Uh, I was in, you know, back in Falkirk. I went to the circus with my niece and nephew, my sister, mum, my, my dad. It was a great night. It was brilliant. And I got a selfie with us all, all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's probably the only picture I've got of, like, of, of all together. Um, so, I was going through my pictures, sitting in the living room on the sofa and I found that picture and I was like right okay I am this is going to be this is us like this is my family this is going to be the, one, this. the picture and you know fine well because you, you sent my message that day as well and um, I can't even remember what I said but it was 
you know, it was something like, oh, I hope, you know, Minnie's nephew grew up to be a stronger person than what I am, night night or something like that. I can't even remember the exact words of, of, of the post, but straight away, it was then, my phone just went mental. Yeah. But I hadn't actually spoke to mum for a few days anyway, so I had ignored her calls, I ignored her texts. She had actually reported me, I didn't, I didn't know this, she had reported me missing to the police that morning. Yeah. But I didn't know that because I kept getting calls from no caller ID and 0800 numbers and I was like, I'm not answering them because it'll just be like call centres trying <laughs> to sell me stuff. So I never answered the, the phone. I never answered the phone to anyone actually, but especially to the numbers. Um, so I put that post up, my phone was just going crazy. Everyone was like, are you all right? You know, give me a phone, please answer your phone, you know, text me, you know, where are you? And I was just, you know, this it really, really selfish. I just said to myself, fuck yous. Like that, that's what's going through my head. Yeah. Go away, leave me alone. So I got in my car and I drove to Cobham, which is in Surrey. It's about an hour, and, well, from where I was in London at that point, it was about an hour, 30 minute drive. Um, found a sort of wooded area and I was like, no, I was like, that's, that's it. really terrifying. I was like, that's it. So I sat there for hours. It was, you know, maybe four or five in the afternoon and I sat there for hours. And it got to maybe 10, 11 o'clock at night, and I was like, that's, I was like, that's it. And by this point, I had texts, like loads of texts to the police as well, saying, hi, Paul, it's such and such from the Met Police, hi, Paul, it's such and such from Surrey Police, we can see your phone is now in this area, please contact us, we've got a local police station. And I was just like, go away. I, mean, I don't want to speak to you, I don't yeah. want to speak to anyone. So I got in my car, and I can remember just walking into the darkness, basically. Mm-hmm. It was a forest and it was pitch black and I can remember just walking into the darkness and I was like someone's going to find me and it's not going to be nice for them but yeah. I don't care because um, I'm not going to be here I don't know yeah. Yeah. so um, I basically found this tree and I was like right this is it that's it so I sat, I sat down and I had a bottle how classy a bottle of gin Nice. Um, was it pink gin? It was pink gin, actually. Big fan of that. Rocket <laughs> yeah, field on it. It was. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to grab that out of the bottle straight. And, and you know, I had loads of tablets and stuff as well. So I had sort of popped them all out and, you know, I had them sitting um, on a bit of tissue and I had the gin on, on the ground and I was drinking away. And then... I said to myself, right, okay, have some more gin, and then just pop, pop the tablets. So I drank like probably half the bottle of gin, and obviously I had my car, but I wasn't caring because I knew I wasn't going to drive my car back. Yeah. So it didn't matter. <clears throat> it didn't matter to me. Um, but I then could see like a torch, and I was like, oh, it's like someone's coming. And then I could hear like, shouting like hello hello you know is there anyone there anyone there and I was like that's weird and then it sort of clicked I was like I was like oh no I said I think that's the police so I got up and scooped up the tablets and so I wrapped them in the, the, the tissue and put them in my pocket and ran a bit further up um, and maybe five ten minutes later there was a helicopter hovering above and I was like oh this is a disaster 
so they had the air support placing the air support unit out looking in the forest they traced my phone basically to to where I was and coppers found me and there was two of them and they're like um, you know are you Paul and I said yeah he says what are you what are you doing and I went I'm going to die I'm going to kill myself and he went do you think so and I went mm-hmm. he went no you're not I went yeah I am so I started running they sort of chased after me um, and after a, saw, uh, a short pursuit I was just like ah oh, do you know what I mean I said this is this is pointless make make more noise guys <laughs> sorry so those are the key bits I know. And I just thought this is this is pointless just give up Paul you know yeah. you've you've lost you've lost this one so I just stopped and I went right okay this is fine and this is look you're not in trouble yeah. stop running away from us we, we want to help you so I said fine I said right just what do you want to know so I spoke to them and um, they said to me we want to just make sure you're alright have you been drinking tonight have you been taking any drugs you know the, the usual questions I said I've been drinking I said you know I've no, sorry, no drugs on me apart from the you know my controlled prescribed drugs to the doctor and he says right okay that's fine so I had a look he says right okay that's fine um, he says we're going to take you to the hospital and I said I I said, I don't need the hospital. I said, I said, I'm fine. I said, I just drunk half a bottle of gin. I went, I'm just drunk. I'm fine. He said, he's like, mate, you're not fine. He's yeah. like, you need to be checked. So then he radios into the control room and the on-call psychiatrist ends up coming out and, and, and seeing me as well. And she says, um, so for your own safety, we're just going to detain you under the mental health act. And I was like, what? And she went, it just basically means that you can't, leave us like you need to come where yeah. and I was like I don't need that I says that's for folk who are mental <laughs> but I was mental at that point like I was yeah. off my head I, yeah, to I, me I was... a mental person who identifies the... <laughs> honestly that's what I'm saying like people oh it, it was just mental and I thought oh, I says I'm not mental but I was yeah so gets taken to A&E and gets assessed and he says right okay you're fine I was like smashing I was like I'm going back home and she said to me, um, the police psychiatrist, she went, mm, no, you know, and I went, where am I going then? She went, um, you need to go and be seen by a psychiatrist. And I went, but that's who you are. And she went, but, she went, I only assess um, people and I decide whether they're detained under my heart or not. Right, fine, fair enough. So she went, just come with me. She went, we need to go into the uh, police car. She went, I'll follow you round in, in my car. And then we get to this, these gates, and I was like, this is like a jail. It was like big green gates, barbed wire. And I was like, what's going on here? So I said to him, I said, we're going in there. And he says, yeah, we just need to wait until um, someone comes out and lets them my pass. And I went, yeah, fine. So I goes in, and I swear to God, walked into this room and there was a bed and there was two seats now the bed was like an iron board it mm. was it was murder the toilet was just a toilet and a sink it was like a prison cell yeah. nothing else in it and I thought this is weird so I just sat on the bed and it's like I just came around and said right give me your um, give me your jacket and I went oh here you are and I went in fact no I said I'm not I'm not staying long am I and he says well, he says, you'll be here a wee while just until we assess you. And I went, yeah. okay, Jackie. He says, can I have your trainers as well? And I went, no. 
and he went, I need your trainers. And I says, how? He says, because you're in a secure psychiatric unit. Take your laces. And I went, I says, well, I'm going to be funny, mate. I says, but there isn't any heaters. I says, there's Baltic in here. I says, there's foam <laughs> rain inside as well. I says, have my laces. So he went, right, okay. So takes the laces out. And again, in my, in my head, I'm like, why why is he doing this? Like, I'm just going to be here for a couple of hours. So anyway, the police were like, right, okay, um, we'll see you later, Paul. Uh, thanks for cooperating with us. And I was like, oh, no worries. I was like, thanks for, you know, being being helpful and, yeah. and being so nice. So they went away. <laughs> and then the psychiatrist was like, I'll be back in a minute, Paul. I'm like, fine. He came back. He's can you just sign this bit of paper. So I'm reading through it. Blah, blah, blah. You've been detained under section, blah, blah, blah. Man. Uh, right, okay. You'll be held here for 24 hours. And I just looked, I looked down and I'm like, 24 hours? I says, you tell me it was just going to be a couple of hours. He says, well, he says, you know, given a couple of hours give and take. And I went, you, I'm not being here for 24 hours. I said, I don't need to be in here. So I ended up going absolutely mental. And I was like, fuck this. And shouting. And I phoned my mum. It was like half four in the morning, going mad, you know, on the phone to her. And she was like, look, she says, it's where you need to be. She was like, it's the best place for you to be. She says, they'll look after you. So I eventually fell asleep and got woke up at 11 o'clock you know, that morning with a, in fact, it was quarter to 12, um, woke up and a team of four came in and says, uh, oh, Paul, we just want to have a quick chat with you. We're here to assess you. If we're happy with you, then we'll let you go. If we're not, then you're going to be staying here. And it was at that point I was like, I cannot stay in here. And it was then I knew that I had to get you know, myself, myself sorted. And I say to yeah. them, I'm just honest, I said, look, I was like, what I did last night was really stupid. I said, I'm not proud of it at all. I just, I want help. I need help. And I want you to help me. And she went, right. She went, the fact that you've been able to identify your problem, identify, excuse me, the fact that you need help, she says, you know, that makes us happy. That makes yeah. me happy. She says, because a lot of people aren't able to do that. So anyway, she basically, um, asked me various questions about you know what what was wrong you know she had knew nothing about my past so I told her about what happened when I was younger you know being abused and spat on my partner and you know she was like well okay she went everything started starting to piece together she went I'm happy that your mental health is down to depression and it's not anything more serious yeah. she says you know um you know schizo or anything like that she says it's, it's down to your history she went yeah, that yeah. can be that can be Fine, that, that can be sorted. Would she then, because then that would point to being a sort of circumstantial yeah. type of depression, would that then, was she basically saying that it's something that with you know, therapy or counselling that can be dealt with, so to mm-hmm. speak, so you can then leave? Okay, yeah. yeah, so basically she said to me, um, I am happy that you've told me that because then I've made my decision and my decision is based on your sort of condition and your mental health is is due to you know things that things that have happened to you she says that can be sorted by speaking to um you know mental health nurses by speaking to um psychiatrists by speaking to uh, counselors um she gave me various leaflets and stuff as well and she said if you ever feel crap and you know you feel like you need somewhere to go then you know give us number a call or you know go and see this person and i knew myself like that i i could sort myself out but i just I didn't want to at that point. Yeah. So after that happened to me, it really gave me a fright, and I thought, right, I can never go back in, into that unit. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. It was it was 
I've never been in a prison cell, but I'm going to say it was worse than a prison cell. Um, Debatable, mate. I was in a prison cell <laughs> twice. <laughs> and uh, just to sort of light the mood somewhat, I actually, um, it was pure daft, right? I've never had a charge in my life. It was just daft kid stuff. I was like 19, I think I was like 20 maybe. And uh, for some reason, I kept singing. I actually, I was singing Motown songs, right? I don't know why I was steaming. And they were like, you better shut up. And I didn't. So they came in and opened the window. <laughs> it was November. It was pure pouring rain. I was freezing. And I soon shut up because I was absolutely bolted. I don't have a blanket. You were either. singing Motown in the jail? I was singing. I don't know why. I'm a big fan of Motown. Brilliant. Uh, my mum will be raging about hearing that. <laughs> she knows anyway, but she'll be pissed off listening back. So, um, but I'm, I'm sure yours was a lot worse, uh, given all yeah. the circumstances. But at the time, there was nothing worse than worse me. It was like Alcatraz. <laughs> Didn't even get any food. I, I, th- I, I think because see, I've preferred to have probably been in the jail than been in there. I think because I knew uh, what it was, I was scared in case yeah, I didn't definitely. get back out. I, I, I took that. I put a very irreverent spin on that, and again, quite clearly, dear listener, joking um, to lighten the mood if you, if that is possible. Um, but yeah, on, on you go. Sorry, I just like to interject with a lot of shite sometimes. Sometimes you need to. Aye. Sometimes you need to. Definitely. Um, you know, if I had been in jail, I would have actually been alright. But I was just scared in case I, I wasn't going to get back out yeah. because I was like, "This, this, I, I've, I've totally fucked it. That, that's it. I've really messed it up this time." Um, but thankfully, I, I, I did get out. I was in there for less than twenty-four hours, um, and I went back to pick up my car in the middle of nowhere. I got a taxi. Did they not even bring it back? They got me a taxi. Oh, which they was okay. nice. That's um, fair enough. And then you get so, in the car, they taxi drives away, and your petrol's done. <laughs> <laughs> You've left your lights on, on it. You're like, fucking hell, where's that gin? <laughs> I just had visions of like going back in my car, being like ransacked or something like that. But then I was like, it's no Glasgow, it's Surrey. It's a bit more, a bit more high class. <laughs> so I basically went back and got my car and drove home. And it was when I was driving home, I was like, right, you know, I need to. I need to go home, home, not home to London. I need yeah. to go home to Scotland. So I'd been signed off to the doctor and stuff as well by this point, with, you know, because of depression and stuff. So I, I hadn't actually been at work, and um, I thought, right, I'm going to start speaking to people. So a lot of my former colleagues um, have been great. You know, they were always, you know, texting me and phoning me and you know, Instagramming me and Facebook yeah. and stuff, and you know they kept saying to me oh, I hope you don't think I'm being nosy I'm like I know you're not being nosy you're just being you know you're concerned there's a guy rollerblading through here by the way <laughs> just in case you're wondering about that noise <laughs> Glasgow rollerblade championship <laughs> um, and the, you know they're saying to me oh you don't think I'm being nosy and I said I, I know you're not being nosy you're just you're, you're concerned and that that's fine I'm totally cool with that and if I want to speak to you I'll speak to you if I don't then yeah. don't take offence to it what, let's say that again and I just kind of kind of asking this question for myself but say there's somebody listening and they don't know how to approach someone who's mm-hmm. maybe shown suicidal tendencies or um, thoughts or whatever or, or that depression how, how do you approach that as you say because they're obviously saying to you I don't want to bother you I don't want to mm-hmm. annoy you would you say be delicate or just just be all out lay it open or maybe give them the opportunity to you know, say I'm here whenever you're ready what, what would work best for you it's hard because everyone everyone's different I mean you know people saying to me if you want to talk I'm here you know here's my number yeah I'm always available I would just go aye alright cheers 
but in the back of my head I'd be like no, I'm not speaking to anyone yeah. you know I don't want to speak to anyone so it's difficult I think having someone there you know whether it be a colleague or a mate or a family member to go to is important and you know now I try and make myself available to yeah. as many people as possible because I've gone through it I can identify and I can see signs mm-hmm. in people so you know I always try to make myself available as much as possible to people and maybe just give someone a message like you know on social media on like Twitter or Instagram you'll see people who you know were posting similar posts to me yeah. and I'm you know I don't know who they are but I'll send them a message and look I don't know who you are you know who I am if you want to speak then you know yeah. drop me a DM or could even be a good idea to say you know somebody that's struggling or having a really tough time to say let's go and do something totally let's go somewhere in a relaxed setting and just chat and you know if someone wants to put something out there they can but also they can be like oh this is nice you know this is a wee either a distraction or something to enjoy or a wee reminder that there are good things in life I wanted to ask you a quick question Mm -hmm. right you said that obviously it's very clear you wanted that sort of pain and internal anguish and stuff Mm -hmm. to finish do you now that you can look at it retrospectively and not within that emotional epicentre of the situation do you think you really wanted to end your life or did you just want that pain to end I I wanted the pain to end because sorry I was just checking the time now the thing I was going to say was again looking at it retrospectively and as a a different time it's like suicide never ends pain does Mm -hmm. it it just it passes on someone else. It passes on to, and you know, everybody that loves you and cares about you. So you weren't, you know, you're giving it to them tenfold. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no way to rectify it or to go back on it. Um, I it's, think it's very easy for me to say that, not having had those tendencies, but it's true. Isn't I, it? I was like, I was like that as well. Me years ago, I thought, you know, how can anyone do that? It's so selfish. You know, yeah. it's like, you don't end the pain. You end the pain for yourself. But yeah. You just pass it on to someone else. Uh, you obviously, it's not selfish, is it? It's, it's just, not, not yeah, at all, not at all. It's, it's not. And people no. do have that misconception. Yeah, of, definitely. Some people say that, and you're like, oh, fucking hell, man. Yeah. But on. that's something I used to feel like that before yeah. I actually started suffering from depression and stuff. And now, if you know someone commits suicide, I would never say it's selfish because some it's not. Somebody's they've reached that breaking point and they mm-hmm. can no longer endure that. You, the other thing you said about the picture with your niece and your nephew, mm-hmm. and you wish they could be stronger than you. Mm-hmm. I would say at this point, the strength you've shown is given the fact that I'm here fighting tears as you're telling that story, and the fact that you've lived through it your whole life and are here now telling that story for somebody else. Because obviously, if it is not already clear, the purpose of this conversation is for anybody else who may be in a similar situation to see that you know you get to the end of that yeah. you can there's support you know from both professional personal and legal mm. standpoints the you know this is not something that has to beat you i think it's quite important to have this you know when you got in touch to to say like well, we should do this yeah i remember thinking i have never heard this type of story being told do you think there's an element of embarrassment or shame that would prevent people from doing that I, I think so and, and as I say when you know I find you on Instagram and sort of listen to some of your stuff I contact you straight away and I was like I need to speak to this guy mm-hmm. like 
you know, I want, I want to speak to them and um, I want to, you know, tell my story just to help other people because, you know, a lot of people are embarrassed, a lot of people are ashamed and they're scared. Yeah. Especially if they're still suffering. Yeah. If they're still going through. The, the stigma is real. It's like it's. I can understand it so much. It's awful, and I would just say, you know, it's not even. I was gonna say, you know, it's not about being brave. Like it's. It's not. That's the wrong. That's the wrong thing to do. To say, you know, just do the right thing. And, and it's the right thing for you. Yeah, isn't it? You know, do the right thing for yourself. Totally. You deserve to not have that burden. Like I can't even imagine it. I can't comprehend it. That's what I'm saying. I felt like a puppet in, on, a, on strings, and I felt like someone was controlling my strings. But you know, if you don't have anyone to go to, friends or family, then pick up the phone, dial one one, tell the police. You you mentioned uh, something with the NSPCC. The NSPCC as well. Another great great charity. Not just for children. Not just for phoning as a 12 year old to noise them up hands up we've kind of all done everyone's it. done it and I feel so guilty I feel terrible it. about it but you live and you learn as you grow up but then we never understood what they, exactly what the charity exactly. was because it, it, they have that adult support they do they, and I didn't know that yeah. I, I didn't know that at the time and, and you know if I did I would have I probably would have Called them at some point yeah. just for a chat because I always thought the NSPCC child line, obviously child lines for for children, but you know the NSPCC. I always just thought you know it was it I was child, child line. That's who used to phone, right? Yeah, it was oh, child line. Yeah, double one, double one. I think this this sort of the same. I think chat, yeah, be. I think they are. Um, I don't know if anybody for child line or NSPCC wants to let us know, educate us. <laughs> yeah, we're well, sorry um, that we phoned and bammed you. Honestly, feel terrible about that. I swear, <laughs> it was about seventeen years ago. I'm sorry. My mum's going to break my mum's for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> my mum, did uh, she edit these podcasts? My mum must just have a list of notes or stuff to <laughs> pull me up for. I'm doing an episode soon on uh, just daft stories from school. Yeah. And my mum's like, oh, I'm looking forward to doing this. <laughs> Get me into trouble like 20 years on. Gas. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Yeah. But yeah, uh, uh, um, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, they, if you don't have anyone to you know go to, then uh, you know, one on one, speak to the police. Um, you know, NSPCC. As I say, I didn't realise they've actually got that adult helpline and support line as well. Speak to them. You know, they're a great charity. Um, just you know, speak out. Don't don't hold it to yourself. And it's easier said than done. I know. I. I know exactly what it's like. He is literally wearing a t-shirt that says he knows. He has got the t-shirt. Do you think, see, when you spoke about it, Mm. did it just feel like releasing this pressure valve? Like it's like a gas. It was like a gasket blew. um, What's the word? Um, It was like a you know the steamers you get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like that. It was like the wee thing just went. Just yeah. And the scene just went. Yeah, it's like everything just, just, you know, it was like a weight off, as I say, a weight off your shoulders, and mm-hmm. it, and it was, and it, you know, and now I feel so much better. Um, you know, I have moved back up here now, and um, for the next wee while, nice to be to my be family. Home, it? it is. It's lovely. I was dreading it. I was like, I can't even bother seeing all them again. My <laughs> <laughs> back living with mom and dad. I was like, oh no. Um, but you know what? It's only going to be for a couple of months, and it's it's actually good to be back. And the first weekend I was back a few weeks ago. I had a wedding as well, it was a family wedding, and it was amazing, and it was good banter, and I was like, do you know what, I've actually really missed this. Yeah. I went back to London 
last week on Thursday see the Spice Girls uh, just like that in there <laughs> right, right. Pretty, right. I wish uh, I could have been that by the way if you see them I was like bastard I wish I was there with glitter in my beard <laughs> oh you need to have on that <laughs> the videos are on Instagram for you go, go and have a look it's ridiculous <laughs> um, and by the way that was done by a random lassie on, on the tube hey own it it looked good I liked it, it. I, did, I, liked it. I got good. loads of compliments so. um, but i have been out of London for a few weeks I went back last Thursday and everyone kept saying to me oh my god you're so you like you seem really happy. You look like, great. I was just really? about to say you you've got a, you, you seem placid. Does that make sense? Yeah. You seem relaxed. I feel like I'm back to the old Paul. Uh-huh. Like the Paul I know because when I was in London, I was very I was putting on a face. I was yeah. very, you know, very fake like oh this this is me I'm fine. Um but yeah, everyone everyone in London last week like, oh my god, you seem so much happier and you know your face is so much brighter and and I was just like Really, I was like, I look in the mirror every day and think, "Fucking hell, you look like shit." Um, but no, I, I know myself. I actually do feel a lot happier. I'm smiling mm-hmm. more. I'm laughing more as well. And you know, I'm you know getting back to, or I'm probably I'm back to where where I should be. And that's just being home for a few weeks. And I just wish I'd listened to everyone months ago when yeah. they told me to come back. But at that point, I was like, "Who?" Uh, you need, you know, you need yeah. to learn in your own time. Don't you? you need to, you know, people can tell you you should do this, you should do that, but you have to experience it and totally. have to have that realization yourself. Oh, here's the rollerbladers on back. <laughs> she, do you know what? The amount of times she's come back, she can't even look at me when she goes by because I'm the same today. I hope you're coming back with sandwiches because you keep walking past with that trolley. Um, yeah, you think I'm kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was Stovies or something we went past last time and uh. the, the guy um, but no I, I just wish I'd came back sooner uh, because you know all the all the stuff that had happened you know suicidal thoughts and you know m- me you know being held in a blooming you know Butlers. psychiatric exactly uh. Blackpool <laughs> for 24 hours you know none of that would have happened uh, and that has given me a bit of the backside and a fright and, and to actually realise that there's more to life than than that yeah. and I, I just feel so much better now and I just feel like I'm back to back to the old me yeah. but yeah I mean as I say the point of this this was just to say to people you know if if you are experiencing what I experienced or have you know don't don't suffer in silence don't keep it to yourself speak to someone mm-hmm. and it is hard uh, as if you're a regular listener and I talk about the flick chat group which is reserved or suitable um, useful for the more serious subjects if you want to talk in confidence if you want to connect with people then you can I've obviously mentioned that in the intro I'll let Paul know what it is uh, I'm sure he'd be happy for that mm-hmm. um, I'll tell you what flick chat is shortly cool. Is there anything else that you would like to, to round up with? Just, like, I'm really active on social media and stuff as well, so as I said to you, you know, if Twitter, you, where can they get you? Uh, at journal underscore Paul. Instagram. The exact same. If you want to see his glitter beard, <laughs> Spice Girls, a few good videos as well. <laughs> so, yeah, no, honestly, just uh, hit me up if you need someone to speak to, um, and sometimes it is best just to speak to an absolute stranger, um, but I'm all ears, so, yeah. I would say I am as well. Probably not the most suitable, but same, you know, same goes. If uh, if you want to speak to me first before me putting you in touch with Paul, then feel free. I would say thank you for this. I hope it's been cathartic in some aspect for you. Um, 
it's a shame that you had to go down that road it's unfortunate to get to where you are now but looking and feeling as good as you do now mm. maybe it was in a sort of weird way worth it um, speech marks there for that but thank you and mm. here's to much brighter days yeah Please tell us why you have- 